Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God which engages us this day is the Old Testament lesson read previously, but especially verse 17 of Malachi chapter 3 where we read, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, if I were to ask you today to name two or three treasured possessions in your life, what would they be? Perhaps your mind would go first to those things that have a greater monetary value, such as your house or your car. Or perhaps your mind would go first to something that has sentimental value to you, something that was given to you by someone special in your life. Ah, but by now, some of you are thinking, it's not a physical thing that is my most treasured possession, not a material thing. Rather, it is my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all of my sin and everlasting life. That is my most treasured possession, because it is my relationship with God that is the most important thing in my life, both here and for eternity. Unfortunately, many of God's people in the Old Testament lesson for today did not feel that way about their relationship with God. In fact, God begins our Old Testament lesson for today by indicating that his people had some hard words that they were speaking to him. Quite frankly, they were telling him off, saying as they did in our Old Testament lesson, it is vain, it is futile, it is useless to follow and serve you. In other words, what's the use of following and serving you? It's the arrogant evildoers who are prospering all around us, it's the arrogant evildoers who put you to the test, Lord. They live in defiant arrogance, and they dare you to strike them down. And yet they escape. What's the use in serving you? Perhaps you've had a time or two in your life where you have had some hard words for God as well. Times when things were not going well at all in your life and you look around and you see people who have absolutely no regard for God and they are thriving, seeming not to have a care in the world. And perhaps at times like that, you were tempted also to direct some hard words at God. Words like, it just isn't right. It just isn't fair. What's the use in following you anyway? Well, if that was our thinking, then we really have flipped the tables, have we not? We have determined that it's going to be our happiness, our abundance, our prosperity that's going to be the standard in our relationship with God. And we've concluded that we're only going to follow God if he blesses us in the ways that we deem he really should, namely a life that is relatively free from 
problems and hardships, and one that sees us prospering at least as well as the non-Christians do. If that is our way of thinking, then we really have flipped the tables, have we not? In our own thinking, we've made ourselves God, and we've made God into a being who exists only to bring us happiness and prosperity. Well, how did God respond to those hard words in our Old Testament lesson for today, to being told off by his own people? Amazingly, he responded in love, definitely undeserved, unmerited love. For Malachi records how those who still feared God, namely those who still believed and trusted in God, came together and had a conversation. And God heard that conversation, and he wrote a book of remembrance, a book that likely contained the names of all of those who still feared and trusted in God, the names of the people that God would remember in blessing in the future. And God has also dealt with us in unmerited, undeserved love and mercy. For there is indeed another book mentioned throughout the scriptures. Whether it's the same book or not, we don't know. But it is referred to as the Lamb's Book of Life. It is prevalent in the book of Revelation, in chapters 3 and 13 and 20 and 21. It is the names of all people who trust and believe in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, for the forgiveness of their sin and everlasting life. And as a result of what God has done for you, and as a result of what he has done in you, your name is written in that Lamb's book of life. And then it is indeed incredible that God in our Old Testament lesson refers to his people, his faithful people, as his treasured possession. Stop and consider that for just a moment. In light of all that God has created, all the spectacular, all the magnificent things he has created, he looks upon us and calls us his treasured possession. Isn't that amazing? And God promises that his treasured possession will not cease to exist, will not perish. God says, I will spare them as a father spares his son who serves him. Those of us who are parents know exactly that feeling, don't we? We would even substitute ourselves for our children if it meant that they would not perish. That's the same fatherly love and compassion that God expresses for us, for his treasured possession. I will spare them, he promises, as a father spares his own son who serves him. That is an ironic statement, is it not? For in the end, God did not spare his own son, did he? but rather delivered him up for our transgressions. This is the same son 
of whom God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is the Son who did serve his Father, coming not to do his own will, but the will of his Father. And that will included that he would there on the cross endure all the righteous wrath of God as a result of our sin. That will would include that there on the cross he would shed his blood as payment in full for our sin. And that will included that there on the cross he would die so that we might live. God has done all of that for you and for me his treasured possession. And how well he cares for us as his treasured possession here on earth. For it was first when we believed that we became his treasured possession, whether that was at the baptismal font, if you were baptized as an infant, or perhaps if not later on in life, when you heard the word of God and the Holy Spirit created that life-saving faith in you. At whatever point God brought you to faith in Jesus Christ, at that very point, you became his treasured possession. And at that very point, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. And how well he feeds us as his treasured possession with his word and with his supper. How well he cares for us each and every day as his treasured possession. And so on this day, we gather here as people who have been freed now from our sin and from the guilt of our sin. We gather here as people who can now look away from ourselves and look toward our God and toward our neighbor who is in need. Today, as we observe Servanthood Sunday, we are doing just that. We are looking to God, and we are looking to our neighbor who is in need. We are focusing, first of all, on ways that we can be of service to one another here in the body of Christ, and we are also looking at ways we can be of service to those outside of this body of Christ, people outside in our community, people we have never met, maybe people we will never meet this side of heaven. We are looking at ways that all of us can be involved in the mission that God has given us here, namely to strengthen the saved and save the lost. Now, perhaps you already are involved in areas of service here, but want to try something different, something new. Or maybe you're relatively new here to St. Paul's, and you'd like to get involved, you'd like to serve, but you don't know where to begin. I encourage you to look at that packet of materials in your bulletin for today. The one that has, first of all, volunteer descriptions on it, listing all the different ways that many can serve here at St. Paul's. And then finally, prayerfully, looking at also the response device, the servanthood sign-up for today, where you could put your name, phone, and email and indicate, first of all, by either putting a check mark or circling areas that you are already serving in, but then prayerfully putting a star next to areas you would like to serve in in the future. And after you've completed this, they can be deposited in the boxes that exist in our narthex on two different tables. 
Those boxes will remain up throughout this entire week and will be there again next week as well. And there is great joy in serving together here at St. Paul's. For example, two Friday nights ago, 47 of our middle school youth gathered together to make what are called blessing bags for our homebound members. They had a Bible devotion. They constructed these blessing bags. They ate pizza and pie. And then they played a game called Nine Square. They had a great time. There's great joy in serving together here at St. Paul's. And there's also great joy in seeing the impact that this service can have. Those blessing bags are going to be taken out and distributed to our homebound members by a maximum of 75 of us on Saturday, December 17, as we gather here for a light lunch and then go out Christmas caroling to our homebound members and again distributing those blessing bags. Last year, I will never forget, that as it was late in the afternoon and we were leaving one of our homebound members and she said so all of us could hear, I've been looking forward to this all day. And we stopped collectively in our tracks because I think we realized at that moment just how much this simple act meant to her and meant to the others as well. And there is great witness, Christian witness, that happens in our serving as well. That witness is going to happen tonight, for example, when a number of our adults will go out with the members of the Honor Society in our school and prepare and serve meals at the Ronald McDonald House just two miles up the road on Ballas, preparing and serving meals to parents whose children are hospitalized at this time. And finally, there is also great opportunity for connection for community as we serve one another here at St. Paul's. My example for that is our choir that gathers here on Wednesday evenings not just to rehearse music, but also to stop and have prayer for one another and for members outside of the choir. You may have been prayed for by the members of our choir on a Wednesday night. There's great community, great connection that's available as we serve together. A couple of years ago, someone told me that in their home, they talk with their children about serving God and others with joy, using the letters of that word joy as an acronym for Jesus, others, and you. So that as we serve our Lord and others with joy, we are putting Jesus and others in front of us. May that be the case for all of us. God's treasured possession, serving with joy, both our God and our neighbor. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in this one true faith, unto life everlasting. Amen.